Hey everyone, and welcome back to the First Church Williamsport podcast. I'm Mitch, and each week, Pastor Janet and myself will be taking some time to talk more in depth about the message from Sunday, asking some tough questions, and setting aside time to focus on God throughout our week. This is our last podcast for this series, and so a genuine thank you, where we're going to be talking a lot more about unity and some of our takeaways. Thanks again. And uh, I am so excited to be joining you all once again. And hello, Janet. Hey, Mitch. Uh, Today is our last Romans podcast. And so, again, thanks for being part of this journey with us. And thanks for being part of the journey with the church. It's been really meaningful. And I know for me, I've been hearing just from different individuals that this uh, weekly touch point uh, back into Scripture reminder of the sermon, because there's so much to dig into, has been a blessing. And so thanks for sharing those. That's really helpful for us to hear. And uh, just a blessing to us that we get to hear that digging into scripture and furthering your devotion, our devotion as a community to God and to the word of God is happening. So thank you so much. Yeah. Well, you know, I think you raise a good point about how you know, the God's word is never intended to be a Sunday morning thing, you know? Like we come on Sunday morning and we hear the sermon and we get all this stuff and then we just oftentimes move on. But mm-hmm. this has been an opportunity for us to have another touch point and to really I think I've really appreciated the opportunity to talk more about like this is what it meant, you know, we we learn about what did it mean to the Romans. Mm-hmm. But then and you and I have gotten to have a conversation of what does this mean to us? Yeah. One of the things that we've been talking, we talk a lot on staff about a lot of church stuff. And I was having a conversation with Janet and a few other people. And we were actually talking about fall kickoff. And we've been doing fall kickoff for three years now, four years now. I three. Think this, this is was three. this was our third year doing it, and uh, and I was surprised. We were talking about just the value of different uh, aspects of and like and what can we improve, etc. And one of the things that really struck struck me was that as we have started to live into fall kickoff, and not just that moment, but the the different aspects that are following that moment. So this year, this is the first time we've ever done a podcast in the middle of the week, and we've have done this devotion uh, for the church to go and be on this journey together. And the sermon series, uh, the youth are part of this. Uh, And Matt referenced these things on Sunday, but we were celebrating how impactful this is to the community at First Church. And so that was just really neat also to take a step back and to see that when we are unified, uh, to give some, so that's a precursor to later in the conversation, that when we're unified together as a community, how powerful that is. Yeah, I was just going to say, as you were walking through all of those ways in which we're doing this together, we're actually living out the message of Romans as we've been kind of digging into this scripture together. Mm -hmm. And we'd like to say that was intentional. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But but I think it's a huge blessing that we are realizing that when we are linking arms with people, with each other, uh, the the impact that has mm-hmm. uh, into the to the the body that in the that we are a part of and to our spiritual lives as well. 
Yeah, and we really have heard a lot about unity in the last eight weeks. Like that has just been this consistent thread. Uh, it doesn't matter, you know, what chapter we're on. It seems to be that there's this underlying message throughout that um, Paul is seeking to unify that Roman church. Yeah. So today we were uh, looking forward to sharing some of our biggest takeaways from these last eight weeks. and But before we do that, and at this topic of unity, once again, we started where we began, or we ended where we began, rather, with this conversation of unity, where Matt in Romans 16 was walking us through these different names of people that were part of the body of Christ. But in Matt's sermon, it was really striking to me because he got so specific uh, with not just these names, but painting a picture of what it looks like to live into one of our core values at First Church, which is beautiful diversity. And so, Janet, actually, I'd love to ask you the question because I know that you were one of the people that worked through creating these core values at the church. Mm. Why did we land or why did you or the team that you're working with at the time see beautiful diversity as one of the main values that we need to hold front and center as a body of Christ? That's a great question. I love I loved the opportunity to answer that question. I mean, I wasn't the lead person on that. That would be Pastor Matt, who mm. would have been really working with teams of people of identifying what our core values are. And really what we were seeking to do at that time was to identify things that are somewhat distinctive about First Church. A lot of times when you look at church's core values, it might be something like being Mm Christ-centered or being a church of the Bible. Mm -hmm. Um, Well, like... That's that's not terribly distinctive. Mm. Like every church should be Christ-centered and should be based on scripture. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were asking ourselves, what makes us somewhat different? What is it that we could live into that every church might not want to or be able to live into? And one of the things that we know about churches is churches, unfortunately, tend to be groups of people that are very similar, Mm -hmm. you know? And I think maybe that started with, you know, it used to be that you would go to church in your neighborhood. You would walk. When First Church was built, people walked to come to First Church, and people in a neighborhood might be more similar. That's not that doesn't need to be the case anymore. Like, very few people walk to church. Mm -hmm. Um, And we just really felt like First Church was like even geographically, First Church is in a position to be a church that is diverse Mm. with a college campus on one side, uh, an affluent neighborhood on another side, a a low-income neighborhood on another side, and a business district on the fourth side. Mm. And so it seemed almost like God had placed us there, but even more than that, there seemed to be, I think, core values should always be, I think, you know, what they teach about them is that they should be both descriptive as well as aspirational. Mm. So a core value should be something that we are, but also something we aspire to be. And it was just felt like this is a church that does aspire to be mm-hmm. beautifully diverse. We're not nearly as diverse as we would like to be. Mm-hmm. We would not say that we are an incredibly diverse congregation, but we move in that direction and we're open to that mm-hmm. and we see some diversity. And there's different types of diversity. Right. 
I obviously when the first thing that comes to my mind when I think about diversity is racial diversity, mm -hmm. which we desire for increased racial diversity to be part of our community. Mm -hmm. There's also economic di diversity. And Matt really called, he calls out specifically over and over again. Uh, in a, and I think it's a good way of political diversity mm -hmm. that, that we're unified from by something different. And then there's also the, the diversity of just th thoughts and opinions. Right. Well, there's theological diversity. Mm -hmm. And, you know, many churches don't even consider, could we be a church that is theologically diverse? <laughs> That's dicey. That's dicey. Absolutely. Yeah. Right. Now, you, it's dicey because you can't go too far. Mm -hmm. Right. You know? And that kind of goes back to a couple of weeks ago when I was mentioning the word adiaphora. Mm -hmm. You know, what are essential, what's essential to salvation? Right. And when you're theologically diverse, then you get to talk about what is is what is essential and what is not essential. Right. But, you know, the Romans were a theologically diverse yeah. congregation. Right. And we they feel, were wrestling we with feel, that. Yeah, we feel really threatened by that. Yes. And I even from the conversation, again, from a conversation a couple weeks back, where we can make that, uh, that issue really set us against other Christians and prevent us from loving well as you were talking about. Yeah, you know, something that Matt said on Sunday that just really stuck with me, I thought it was just a really helpful phrase and wise words. He said that we can have compassion with conviction. Mm. Or conviction with compassion. I mm. said it wrong. Um, and I just find that to be so helpful because you may be at a different place theologically than I am at, but we can be part of the same church if we can honor each other's convictions with compassion. You do not need to be any less convicted of what you believe, nor do I, if we're able to extend that compassion to each other. That's great. Well, one of the things I think actually really super, that's super challenging in the world we live in is that we live in a networked world now, much more so than we ever did before. And that in, in the sense that if I want to connect with a bunch of pickleball players, and that's like my people, right? Now, I, I do like pickleball, and it's pretty sweet. Uh, but if that's what I really want, I can go online, I can find a group of people to, that like pickleball, or fill in the blank. You, you know, if I want to uh, uh, go apple picking every single day and find a group that love, or travel, or, you know, people that basically, people that like what I like, think, uh, think the way that I think, act the way that I act, I can find a way to surround myself with those people with increasing ease because of the internet, because of the technology that we we have. And one of my questions then is how do we live into beautiful diversity when it's so easy to silo ourselves away from people that think differently, act differently than we do? Hmm. That's a good question. I'm going to ask you the same question, yeah. but I'm going to let me just respond with one thing, which is I think even being aware of it is helping, will help us to live into it. Mm -hmm. I think that most people who are living in their pickleball community <laughs> or, <laughs> or their travel community yeah, or whatever yeah, yeah. community they live in aren't even aware yeah, yeah. that they are isolating themselves. Yeah, not to mention that there are algorithms that learn 
that what what community you live in and just keep on feeding you that same content, that same community and voicing over and over again. So breaking that cycle is very difficult. <laughs> yeah, Absolutely. I don't, I'm not sure how to go about that. Yeah. Yeah. But I think I think just the awareness of intentionally seeking to be beautifully diverse, intentionally seeking to talk to somebody who, you know, you mentioned different kind of diversity. I mean, you can't always see I mean, you can't see what someone's political ideas are mm-hmm. or their theological ideas. But you know, I can go talk to someone who's a different age than me mm-hmm. or a different gender than I am. Right. Or a different race than I am. Yeah. Yeah. Well, one of the things that, again, I bring things to creativity a good amount, but with beautiful diversity is this reality that when we live into it, we're better. Mm. We, As we were talking beforehand, we're blessed mm-hmm. when we do this. It's not easy. Mm-hmm. I, I like to talk about it with, in the sense of, uh, there's Linda Hill is an ethnographer, a researcher, and she talks about this thing called collective genius and essentially uh, says that great leadership understand that the genius doesn't lie in the individual, it lies in the collective. And great leadership will learn how to tap into that collective but and, and empower and equip and to value voices that are different than theirs, perspectives that are coming fr- from all different directions rather than entrenching themselves or surrounding uh, themselves with people that agree with them all the time, et cetera, et cetera. And, and that, that picture of this collective genius pie, I think ties to this body of Christ and this thing of beautiful diversity that when we, we have to be so intentional with it. I mean, I, I, being mindful of it and then taking steps forward to, to talk to someone. I mean, even if there's one thing that we could do with this, have a conversation with somebody that is different than you. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, the other thing that I think uh, ties into this is one of our other core values, which is humble power. Mm. And it also takes some humility because in building those relationships, you we need to recognize that what, what I believe is right and is normal, mm-hmm. uh, maybe someone else may, may see that differently. Yeah. Well, well Ben Conrad, who's on staff, uh, he has a definition of imagination and specifically sanctified imagination. Mm. And going back to the sermon uh, from Sunday to the painting of the picture of what unity can look like, should look like, I think is beautiful because in Ben's definition, he talks about how it's imagining not the world not as it is, but the world as it should be. Mm. And in this light, these aspirational values, it's imagining the church. It's imagining first church, not as it is, but as it should be. Mm. And that is exciting mm-hmm. to think about. I mean, I, and I believe that in many ways we are doing this. And in many ways we have a, a lot further to go. Mm-hmm. But to be able to collectively uh, link arms together and say, we're going to be pursuing not this as it is, but at, like as it as it should be. Going to even the CLC, like I mean, that's a long time ago. I'd love, can you? I don't know if you'd be able to share the story of the CLC being built of worship 
uh, when the person who didn't understand or want, you know, uh, uh, contemporary worship said, I'm going to do something radical, even though I don't under, could you share that a little bit of that story? Yeah, it's a really great story. Um, and it involves someone who, uh, those of us who were around First Church like 25 years ago, like we all knew Louise Stryker. Mm. Uh, Louise uh, was the church organist. She was amazing. Um, and she was just, she had a really uh, big heart for young people. Hmm. And that's always what she called them. Like it wasn't youth, it wasn't students, it was young people. Uh, and Louise was just, she was a trained musician. She was an amazing musician. And she was a traditional, like through and through traditional music. Uh, but Louise understood that young people appreciated a different kind of music, a kind of music that she herself did not appreciate, but that she supported through her giving, through very, very generous giving, so that a space appropriate for contemporary worship could be created and, uh, you know, a whole lot of other things for young people as well. But Louise really kind of set aside her own preferences, her own ideas of how things should be, because Louise had a, well, one, she had a very mature faith, Hmm. but also she had a deep passion for young people. She had been a public school music teacher. And so she just, she loved young people. Hmm. Yeah, it's beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. And and that is one way that we have grown as a church to both in humble power, as you're talking about, but beautiful diversity to, to make space for people that don't think and act like we do to to make intentionally make room at the table for for that to exist is great yeah i think that's one of the reasons why paul is just so focused on unity mm-hmm. and why unity is so powerful because it's just not a natural response mm-hmm. from human beings. We are just much more naturally prone to division, mm-hmm. prone to kind of go in our own camp and feel comfortable with our own people who are like us. And yet the power of Christ gives us the opportunity, the ability to be in relationship with people who are dramatically different from us. It gives us the even the capacity to care. Yeah. It's, there's a statistic that I don't know if it's scientifically proven, so I'll share it. Just note that that may be a little off. But I've heard that recently that loneliness can take up to 15 years off of someone's life expectancy. Mm-hmm. And listening to you right now I'm is making me think of the difference between being unified and being not unified. Yeah. Is that when we're unified... Like I, I, I can't imagine there being loneliness in this inside of that moment. Mm. At least it's hard for me, hard for me to conceptualize that existing, and that this separation obviously creates all this tension and division, and you know these narratives and gossip, et cetera, et cetera, like one against the other, which we're so prone to doing. I, it also creates isolation from from others, right? I think that's really perceptive. I I hadn't thought of that, but I think that's absolutely right because loneliness is not doesn't mean you're alone. Mm. You can be alone but not lonely. 
Lonely is when you feel separated, when you're isolated. Mm. And so, like, it's possible to be in a big group of people and to feel lonely. Mm. You've probably done that, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so what you're really speaking to is the power of the gospel to have people be seen and valued even though they're different and not to be isolated and lonely, (sighs) which is such a huge, huge need in our culture. Yeah, that's that's great. (laughs) I want to go down that road. Maybe we will. But I guess just wrapping up this conversation of unity to talk a little bit more of our take uh, of our own other takeaways one of the, this really was striking to me going back to our first conversation and doing the research and learning that the context in which Romans was written was in a divided uh, Rome a Christ, divided Christian Rome Jews versus Gentiles and and uh, Paul really trying to communicate how necessary this is for the gospel to live. And to be lived out, and so, and that was again. I, I never read Romans that way. Like I, I knew it was a point for sure. You know, I didn't know it was how central of a point. And I don't even know if it's the central point. Uh, however, I, I do have much more of an appreciation for that and our conversation specifically on unity amongst Christians. It has been deeply convicting mm-hmm. to me to to understand that people are coming from their own perspectives, their own experiences, their own diverse experience, and that I can make room at the table intentionally, uh, regardless where people are coming from, again, has been something over and over and over again has entered in my prayer life and something I've been trying to practice in my in my day-to-day as well. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's part of the value of uh, going through a book the way in which we went through it. Like we started in chapter one and we read Romans and ended in 16. Oftentimes, um, we don't take the the time to do that, to go through the whole book of the Bible. And, and we do, we are able to kind of see those overarching themes when we study it and read it the way that we've done it yeah. this fall. So. Well, I'd be curious to hear from you, what was one of your primary takeaways, something that you are continuing to digest? Yeah, so uh, I would say the overarching takeaway, which is the easier one, is just how relevant Romans is to our world. Mm. Like it was, it's an ancient letter written to an ancient people dealing with very different circumstances, but the fundamental issues are the issues that we in 2023 in Williamsport are dealing with. And so like, I know the Bible is relevant, but to just have this kind of fresh reading of it, a fresh appreciation of it. Issues like... Oh, Matt named them on, you know, like issues like politics, issues like our theological perspective of controversial issues, issues like um, some people are more valuable than other people Mm. in other, Mm. you know, all of those things. um, Mm -hmm. We're dealing with it today. Yeah. Yeah. But I think for me personally, the part of it that just really was convicting to me was to just see how deeply 
Paul thought of the church as being united and how the body of Christ is like literally connected to one another. And again, like it's not like that's brand new information to me, but the way in which he writes the letter, it's obvious like the degree to that connection and it just really challenges me of like do I feel that connected to the people in my body of Christ that I'm a part of like do I grieve when they grieve Mm. do I um offer prayers of confession when I see them sin or do I say no that's your problem that's not my problem Mm. uh like how how connected am I? Because I am shaped and I just feel so much the the Western American contemporary minds in mindset of individualism. Yep. And and that is just how I um I tend to go. And this letter to the Romans was a corrective, a reminder that that's how um that's how we live as Americans, but that's not how I live as a Christian. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I'm not saying we should do this. I remember listening to Francis Chan talk about uh, credit cards being someone else's credit card, car, their vehicle. It's not my car; it's our car, you know. And uh, when I first heard that, I was like, "Oh, I don't know if I could do that," mm. you know. I mean, t- to the 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 heaviness that it can it can feel like when we're trying to sort out our own individual stuff. And we're told work on your stuff. Well, you you know you need to pay attention to your stuff, let alone what you're referring to, of like compassion to suffer with. Yeah. Right. Right. To enter into the withness, the in, the incarnating with our fellow believers. I don't even know, like it. Like you said, it's so counter to the culture that we're living in that it feels wrong. Yeah, and I'm not prone to being radical, so like I can't wrap my brain around like a shared credit card or a shared <laughs> card. Like, woo. Yeah. Uh, but yeah. what I do know is that it is um, that if I see my fellow Christian doing something wrong, that my proper response is to pray for them and to speak to them. It is not to gossip about mm. them. And so often, like the temptation in our culture is to talk about people rather than to care for them. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Yeah. So that's a that was a, a challenge. Can, yeah, maybe we can get a sermon someday about that, Jen. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> but it's inspi- I mean, it's inspiring. I think that yeah. I really appreciate what you share about just the um the way in which being united just really helps people helps us all to not feel isolated yeah that's incredible well i and that reminded me i mean we talk about the we we have this thing called the axe network at the church and it's a beautiful ministry and the heart of it is really relationships and and when i there's a there's a pro- process or the there's a framework for how it works, right? And I won't burden us too much with the ins and outs, but it starts like if it starts with listening, and and then that moves to loving and serving, and you get to building community, and often and then after that is the exploring discipleship and then church taking shape. So that's the five steps: listen, love, serve, build community, explore discipleship, church take shape. And oftentimes when talking with church uh, members, whether here or elsewhere or church leaders, 
the question is, well, when is it church? When is it church? And one of the things that I deeply feel in my heart and soul is that when Christians intentionally go build communities where individuals are seen, are heard, are loved, and are valued, they are doing deeply, deeply meaningful ministry. Yeah. Whether on the rugby field or in the nursing home or in their neighborhood or in a school, it doesn't matter where that Christians get to go and be the ambassadors that we've been called to be, Mm -hmm. to go and share the good news by being agents of unity, Mm. agents of connectedness, Mm. of love, like and in that by building those communities are we are we are building the railways to share the gospel mm-hmm. and that's the only way i know how to do it mm-hmm. is through building relationship building communities so that we can we can share where the source of this is from you know that just takes me all the way back to romans 16 because where does paul end this letter mm with relationships yes. that have obviously have been built because yes. he's like, say hi to this. But say- Preach. <laughs> Let's go. Well, Matt already go did. Go with both. Yes. <laughs> but uh, that that's where it ended um, so that the gospel, which he clearly lays out in those beginning chapters, mm-hmm. can take shape oh, and impact lives. That's gorgeous. Well, we are quickly getting to our 30 minutes, and we wanted to share the our final time. First of all, uh, I, I, I want to say again thank you to uh, to all of the listeners for joining us. Yeah. Uh, and so thank you so much for being on the, on this journey with us. Uh, it's been deeply meaningful to me. Janet, thank you. I uh, can't tell you how much I appreciate you. You're a good uh, conversation partner. Now, thank yeah. you. So, so we're going to end with the way Paul ends, um, and so it seemed appropriate to end with scripture, right? So this is the very end of Romans in chapter 16, beginning in verse 25. Now to him who is able to establish you in accordance with my gospel, the message I proclaim about Jesus Christ, in keeping with the revelation of the mystery hidden for long ages past, but now revealed and made known through the prophetic writings by the command of the eternal God, so that all the Gentiles might come to the obedience that comes from faith. To the only wise God be glory forever through Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Hey, thanks for tuning into this conversation. Uh, our hosts, again, are me, Mitch Marcel, and Janet Derwachter. Our editor is Katie Conrad. And if you want to hear the full message that we discuss, you can find them on our anchor.fm or YouTube channel. You can learn more about First Church by checking out our website, downloading our app, or following us on Facebook and Instagram by searching at First Church Williamsport. Thanks so much. Have a blessed day.